Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So I was in Asheville, North Carolina last weekend and oh my God, it was so nice. Like I really was starting to forget how much I love elevation, (laughs) mountains. Um, For those of you who don't know, so, you know, where I am in Charleston is very much considered low country. zero elevation. I've gone on a few hikes here um, and it's beautiful, but very tropical, very swampy and very flat. Um, So I was just so excited to get into the mountains and those are the closest ones to this area. So the Blue Ridge Mountains up in that area uh, are the closest mountain ranges. So I've been meaning to get up there. I finally did. I stayed at a very cute little Airbnb. The hosts were so kind, so sweet. Um, I even talked to them for a couple hours one morning and just had a great conversation. They're wonderful people. Um, Yeah, it was just so nice. Uh, And driving through the mountains, it reminds me of when I used to go up to Sequoia National Forest when I was in LA and kind of getting up there was my little, you know get out of the city, go to the mountains, like just my little micro getaways that I came to really, really value. Um, Shout out to Claudia from Hacienda de las Rosas. If you need an amazing Airbnb in the Sequoia area in Exeter, Hacienda de las Rosas. It's listed on Airbnb. It is the most beautiful place you'll ever see and induces so much calm. So Asheville was awesome. Being in mountains was awesome. Being around hippie culture again was awesome. So <laughs> I grew up in Northern California in a little little liberal town called Davis um, and very much a, a hippieville. And I loved it. Um, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm very much this way myself. Um, walking around that downtown area of Asheville and, and having like every other store have like crystals and Tibetan singing bowls in the window was like... Yes, 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 bring me home. Uh, <laughs> so I, I popped into one of these shops, and there was actually a, a tarot reader. She was doing readings in the back of the store, so I did one. Um, so she told me something that hit so hard that I burst into tears instantaneously. Uh, <laughs> so she told me that this fall is going to be kind of the, the culmination, the end of a very difficult year-long cycle for me. So she basically said that it will kind of close the loop on a hard time in my life that that has a lot of uncertainty, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of just um, ambiguity around direction for my life. And she basically said that this will be the time to integrate everything that I've learned over the past year and kind of bring it full circle and take it back, you know, and really put it to use. So, you know, given that I left LA last September, you know, it has been an exceptionally hard, nomadic, transitory year for me. I have traipsed across nine different states. I, you know, vagabonded around 10 Western European countries. Like, I have been a freaking nomad for the last year. So, this really, really hit for me. (laughs) And... I know that some people believe that this type of thing is total hooey, uh, you know, tarot and palm readers and psychics and mediums, but I tend to be a believer. 
at the same time, though, I'm a very logical and analytical person. You know, I make pros and cons lists. I I write diatribes about, you know, how I'm feeling in order to try to work through things. I investigate every angle. I go down Google research rabbit holes all the time. I, like, try to consider every variable at play and different decisions and possible outcomes. Like, I am an Olympic-level overthinker. <laughs> and it probably sounds like these are two contradictory things. Like, to be both a believer in things like the metaphysical uh, and a highly rational and analytical person. But it's possible, because here I am. I'm both, and I'm sure that a lot of you are too. And, you know, even if a complete stranger says something that is so emotionally resonant that it makes you burst into tears like I did, what today's episode about, about tapping into your own intuition and just seeing if it aligns with the words that are being shared with you. And obviously, it is incredibly hard for us to be objective about ourselves. Oftentimes, our vision is clouded. You know, we can't really see things because of that lack of objectivity. And so that's when we tap our network. That's when we solicit advice. That's when we, you know, try to, to collect some outside input. You know, and because it's hard to be objective about ourselves, like that's why a lot of us do that solicit advice. And that can be a great thing. That objectivity can be a great thing. But something that I've had to learn and am continuing to learn is to be discerning about who I go to for advice. So that's what we're getting curious about today, considering the source, meaning who we go to for input, advice feedback on things that are happening in our lives. And I think a lot of times we tend to default to casting a wide net, right? You know, if we have a problem that we can't figure out ourselves, we tend to kind of pull people. We kind of just, you know, put it out there to multiple people in our lives, get their takes on it. Or, you know, sometimes we don't even ask. <laughs> we just talk about our problems and then maybe somebody just gives us their unsolicited advice. This is what I would do. And then we kind of analyze and collect and compare all that feedback that we've been given, and then we try to make sense of it. You know, if there's one clear course of action that sticks out that most people said, oh, you should do this, then maybe we just do that because it was the most popular feedback we got. And we know that the people in our lives who care about us, they, they almost always mean well. They want what's best for us. But it is our job to parse out the feedback that's useful for us. So before we ask anyone for input, I think that there are a few questions that we need to first ask ourselves. So I think the first question is, does this person have experience in the area of difficulty that I'm dealing with? The second question, have they overcome this same problem themselves? Uh, third, have they been successful in this thing that I'm trying to pursue? And number four, which is kind of a part two of number three, if they have been successful in this thing, can they be truly objective about my situation? You know, if someone has never walked the path that you're trying to walk, like right off the bat, you need to consider discarding that input. You know, while they may mean well, they can't they can't really give you knowledgeable advice here. Like you're both just hypothesizing. Or even if they have walked 
the path that you're trying to walk and been successful at it, you got to ask yourself that follow-up question. Can they be truly objective when giving me advice? I've had a few bosses at, at companies in the past that you know, have encouraged me to come to them, you know, as sort of a, a career mentor, you know, to come to them when I need advice, when I need help with something. Um, and in the times that I did, you know, this was more so in my like late twenties, um, a little bit in early thirties, but at that time I didn't really think about their ability to be objective about my career path because oftentimes they really couldn't be objective because they had skin in the game, right? I worked for them. My career trajectory at that company was likely tied to theirs. So I think a lot of times they would advise me in ways that sometimes served their underlying interests more than my goals. And those two things are not always mutually exclusive. Like sometimes somebody's advice can be mutually beneficial for you and for them. Um, But you have to really ask yourself if that's what's going on or not. So the more I heard things like, you know, paying your dues and biding your time and the classic dress for the job you want, um, you know, volunteer for more projects, like all that type of thing, the more I kind of realized that they were advising me to do what usually what they themselves had done in order to climb the ranks at that company. And, you know, maybe it would work for me too, but often I found myself burning out, feeling super resentful. Um, staying in entry-level positions for far too long uh, and kind of just wasting time on additional projects that I would volunteer for that, you know, these things did get me a little more visibility with, you know, management, but they didn't exemplify my skill set, my ability to help the company's business in a meaningful way. You know, they weren't stretch projects Uh, or tasks in a way that would, you know, get me seen in the way that I wanted. It was coordinating a baby shower or taking exhaustive meeting notes or other things that in no way showcased my ability to do things beyond my current role that would be perceived as valuable assets to that business. So I think that the best person to give you advice is somebody who has walked the path you're trying to walk, has overcome the obstacles that are currently in front of you, they have been successful in that area, and they have no skin in the game. So essentially a career business mentor. And these people are not always easy to find, but when you do, when you recognize that somebody fits that criteria, like seize that opportunity, you will regret not asking more than asking them and them saying no put it out there. The worst thing they can say is no. And, you know, when the people in your life offer you unsolicited advice, again, it is your job to filter out what is and isn't useful. You know, sometimes they can have great ideas that never would have occurred to you, even if they don't have experience in the area you're trying to pursue. Like, Just last night, I was talking to a really good friend of mine on the phone, and she had a great idea about a side hustle That would make a lot of sense for me. It aligns with my skill set, my experience, and my passion for paying forward what I've learned by teaching others those things. And I was like, wow, how had that never occurred to me before? And, you know, she had gotten an opportunity to do this, and it didn't make sense for her at the time, but that's why she shared it with me. So even though she didn't walk that path, she had the opportunity, and then it was my job to say, could that make sense for me? 
to be objective. And that's where that discernment comes in. This is where you consider the source and also really analyze the input and what it would mean for you, how things could play out for you if you took that advice. So what we have to remember is that the person giving the advice is not the one who's going to have to live with the outcome of it. We are. So it's our decision to choose whether what they say makes sense for us. We have to factor in things like, what's the time commitment going to be like? You know, what's the financial investment? Maybe there's some training required. You know, how are our relationships going to be affected? How might our health be affected? We have to basically do all that follow-up analysis to determine whether we should take action on that. Because we have to live with the results of the actions that we take. It doesn't matter whose idea it was. If we decide to pursue it and take that advice and act on it, the outcome lands squarely on us. We're the person living it. So let's say those questions one more time to really drill it into our skulls here, because this has really helped me. And I think it can help a lot of you too. So the questions are, before we go asking our network for advice, ask yourself, does this person have experience in the area of difficulty that I'm dealing with? Have they overcome the same problem themselves? Have they been successful at this thing that I am trying to pursue? And if they have, can they be truly objective about my situation? I hope this was helpful. And if it was, please consider sharing it with somebody else who you think may benefit from it too. I really appreciate you listening. And until next time, stay curious.